0: Hello, bonjour, welcome and be to the Football English Podcast. I'm your host, Liam, and once again, as always, I'm joined by Tom. Hello, everyone. And Jonathan. Hey, guys. On this week's episode, we'll be looking at O.L.'s previous two matches with Rams and Bordeaux, both of which O.L. dropped points in. We'll be discussing that. And we'll also take a look at news today, which has highlighted that Janino is likely to leave O.L. within the coming days previously we thought that would be the end of the season but we'll discuss that as we get to it first up we'll discuss OL's defeat to Rams 2-1 defeat late winner for Rams not the nicest way to start the podcast but we'll jump into that for you I guess I'll come to you first Tom for some analysis what did you really think of the performance obviously it's not the first time we've discussed uh one negative performance and two uh, a, a last minute gut buster where the opposition have scored a late winner. Does it feel like deja vu again really in terms of the performance and the result?
1: I don't think it's even deja vu for just sort of performance. It feels like deja vu for podcasting every week nowadays. Like it, <laughs> as we try and do the wrap up, uh, the Spotify wrapped of the year, we're sort of thinking we go full circle with the first podcast being about a defeat against Mets. I mean, what you know, it just feels... It's, we're going for a full circle, and it's frustrating. It genuinely is. Um, I don't think it's so much the defeat that's frustrating, um, because, well, we didn't deserve much out of that game. I mean, we probably deserved a draw, just about, but generally we were terrible. You know, we we've talked about extensively throughout these podcasts about, um, you know, the Ren game, for example, being one of the worst we've seen of of OL in our time watching the club. Um, this is one of the worst seasons where I've been the most worried for the for the club. Like, I don't see where we're going, and how we can improve. I, I can see where we have to improve, but I don't see when and how we will. So. Yeah, that's a ge- general statement about the game. Uh, to get into the nit and grit of it, um, there was—I don't even know if there's any real standout players. Like, it's it's abysmal, and and it'll be. It'll, it's, it was slightly more positive with Bordeaux uh, because there was actually people trying, um, not very hard, but trying, and. Yeah Rans was just was just terrible. It generally is, and I don't see how we recover, really. I mean, I didn't think we'd recover from Ren, and our point has been proven. Like I, I don't really see any improvements since that game. I don't really see any improvements since maybe the Sparta game, like a month ago, and if anything, it's got worse.
0: I think that really tells you where we are. I think that discusses the situation as well. We did have hopes at the start of the season of potentially getting back into those Champions League places. Does that look likely now? I wouldn't say we've got a kind of chance of getting in the Champions League places at the current time. I think really about the performance, I can't say much because I haven't watched the full match. Luckily enough, I was fortunate enough to miss it and then i have watched the extended highlights afterwards. My opinion is that It doesn't look any different to the extended matches I've seen this season where we've performed in the same manner. There's not a lot going forward. It it seems to have to take a bit of brilliance from somebody or a nice bit of play or a scrappy goal. I mean, the cross came in from Boateng as a left-back. It's like where... Why is Boateng in that position? Why is Boateng creating the chances? You know, he's, he's, very good cross,
1: though. Uh, it is a know, very good if cross. If you want to play him at left-back, you know we, we know what to do.
0: <laughs> we can't play him at left-back at the moment with the problems we've got at centre-back, which we'll discuss a little bit later on. But I think that just tells you in general where we are in terms of the fact that our centre-back's got to come into the left channel to put in a cross, and that's the only goal. Obviously, moving on to... Rams' goal, obviously, the elephant in the room is Lopez's mistake. Jonathan, I think we've given him a lot of praise this season. I saw a few people getting a bit, you know, back into their old ways about Lopez needing replacing after the game. I think that's a load of rubbish. But I guess how bad was that mistake and how costly was it, I guess, in terms of the difference between a point and zero points?
2: I mean, he owes us a point. On the tally, he's also given us many points earlier the season, um, so it's fair. But definitely, I know he'll tell you he owes us one point. Um, so he made a mistake. He's always due for a few mistakes a, a year, but he's also been excellent most of the season. And I think on keep he's ranked the number one goalkeeper of the season so far. So of all the players on the team, he's the only one we can't criticize. Really, I mean. He's even the character he's showing and the energy and uh, how he's yelling at his teammates all the time. um, You can tell how much he wants it. So he's the only one I'm giving a pass. Even though the mistake came from him, there were no chances created the entire game. It was a bunch of terrible players. Everyone was bad. It's one of the first games that I can remember where everyone was bad. You know, there wasn't like one player who stood out. You know, even Paquetto was bad. Everyone didn't seem to want to play. They created. Two chances maybe, but they weren't even created by good play. Just interceptions and then a few moves here and there or a long ball. So, um, yeah, not good. Not good at all. I don't know. No. And it was it was on paper, the like best lineup. You know, Peke in his right position, Awar, Tugrul Kambi, Kat Gray, with a real striker front. You know, Slimani not dembele, but this real good lineup. So at
0: home, it's just. I think you make a fair point in terms of the lineup. Obviously, Rams aren't a terrible side. They've got some good players. I like that. Hugo, is it Etikite who scored the second goal for them? He looks a really promising talent. They've got some strong players in midfield as well. It was a good header for the first goal as well, coming across. Towards the far post, but I think as you've just highlighted there that we've got our best team out. We've got a recognised striker, Pekka, in his recognised position, and um, the lack of chances created. They were aware with a couple of chances, Slomani at the back post, full one as well. But do you think this lack of chances, Tallman? I guess lack of clinicality in front of goal. That's probably not a word, <laughs> but clinical edge in front of goal is really costing us and do you think that's just adding pressure to what's already a difficult situation for boss with I think now we're starting 12 maybe even worse than that
1: uh, I don't think necessarily even the clinicality or whatever we want to call it is is the main issue, I mean being clinical in front of goal has been an issue at OL since Sonny Anderson left the club I think um, that's <laughs> Uh, that's even during Benzema years, um, and but that you know that's clearly not changed. I think what's changed is that we're not even creating chances in the first place. Like I, I remember us creating more chances with Ng sent forward. I mean that says a lot. Ng was not a great player, um, and the thing is we have some very good players in this team, like. You take like for like, you go with, you know, NG has been replaced by Toko Kambi, which is like twice the player he ever was. Um, at centre forward, we're not playing, you know, Amadou Dabo from right back or I don't know who. Uh, Claude Bouvu, if you want to spell out some, some terrible names we've had over the years. Um, we have improved. Like the squad is generally one of the best I've seen in such a long time on paper, but it doesn't click. It doesn't work. We are we're, we're not creating anything. And you'd think, you know, as as Jonathan said, you know, best lineup, we've got Paquette and Gusto on the right side. That's gonna work. You know, we were all so excited during the Sparta game a few weeks ago about how that works really well together and you've got a lot of chances that we're not necessarily putting away, but we've got chances. Now it's like they sit with the ball in midfield and they go, Well, where the hell are we going? Oh, let's go backwards oh, let's go sideways. The one thing I'll say in terms of improvement from last year is we're not seeing the U so much anymore. We're not seeing he goes from Paqueta back to Dubois, back to Denier, back to whoever's playing centre-back with him, back to the left side to Maxwell Corne or De Chiglio, and then all the way back and all the way the other way. Like We're not seeing that as much anymore. Um, we're just not seeing anything. But I'd still rather that than a big U performance like we saw I'm thinking of Montpellier at the start of last season where there was just nothing there. So I am worried uh, that we can't get in front of goal. Um, and it, I don't... like Games pass by and, and I don't remember anything from them because there has been nothing going on. I don't remember the keeper pulling off any saves. I know he's a decent keeper, but I don't remember him actually doing all that much. Um We missed a few chances, but we lost a lot of balls in the midfield. I mean, Bruno and Kakre at the moment, not on the level we expect them to be. Especially Bruno, I think. But both Bruno and Paqueta, and we'll get into Paqueta, I think with Bordeaux especially, just not on the level they are expected to be. And that's worrying for the weeks that are coming. Especially, we mentioned last week, AFCON. When you lose players like Toko Kambi, who can make create differences on their own, then if you lose those players, I don't know who's going to create the chances. Schirke's not getting the playing time. And even when he is on the pitch, recently he has been, you know, he's been going backwards and trying rainbow flicks um, rather than playing it simple and creating stuff. I'm not putting, obviously, the fault on him uh, because, you know, he's not played enough at all. But I'm just saying, where does the creativity come from? Because it's not Awar, it's not Paqueta, and Toko Kambi is not even starting games anymore.
0: I think that level of drop-off between whether it be Kakare, Bruno, Paqueta has just come from the whole team, really. As you've just said, we're not doing anything in attacking third. I think even remembering things from games, that may cause a detriment to the podcast, but I think it's right, really, in terms of remembering key moments, unless you're refreshing yourself with the key moments of the game. There's no real identity, there's no you know, nice attacking play highlighted from the last few games I can't really remember many big moments where you'd say that's going to go in the highlight reel at the end of the season and is it at the moment? Is there even a highlight reel at the end of the season? There's been a couple of nice attacking phases but with the attacking football we expected I think it's got to come down to one, why isn't this team doing more and what can boss do to get more from them, whether it's going to be given that time. The consensus I, I run a poll on Twitter, I think people are still willing to give him the time but Considering AFCON coming in, obviously we've spoken about Janino leaving much more sooner than expected. Is he going to be able to do that? I'm starting to worry a bit more that he can't. I guess looking at performance, as you mentioned, Kakare, Bruno there, is there anyone in particular that did stand out for you, Jonathan, from the whole game? Or are you like Tom, just, it was just a bad performance throughout and the level seems to be dropping week on week?
2: I think... It was a bad performance by everyone. But if I have to, for the spirit of the podcast, pick one player who's a little bit, a little bit deserving of, of, you know, an okay, was Boateng. He he did get that assist. I don't remember him making mistakes. He seems to care, you know, which is pretty big. You know, he he is adding that factor of, I'll yell at you if you make a mistake, which we need. So. And as I don't remember, I him, think he'll yell whatever happens, to be honest. <laughs> <I think laughs> it's rare, you know. Denier is so passive, he's a, yeah. he's a good defender, but he's so passive at times. And uh, it's helpful to have someone there who's willing to, to yell and someone that people respect, you know, as
1: opposed to Dubois well when he does it, you just kind of ignore him. Wait, who are you? Wait, yeah. oh, you, oh, damn, you're, sh- you're shouting, right? Okay, well, you know, move on. Right. So I,
2: I guess Boateng is the only one, but really, I think it's a team game and it was poor on everyone. Really poor performance at home. I don't think they deserve to win. They didn't deserve to lose either, but it's just, uh, even Bosch deserves to be criticized. You know, he, he didn't, I don't know what he's doing, but this is not it. And it's the first game. This is the first game of the season after this one where I lost hope. You know, other games I lost, I'm like, okay, just one bad game. We'll just. We're only two points away from the podium every time, you know, and like, now it's, I don't see it. I just don't see us catching up after a performance like this. You can't lose these games, you know. We've lost it five times this year, every time that we lost this year, standing. Um, it's, it's crazy how many times we've lost. And so it just, it's unacceptable to me that we're we're this bad. What is it Five losses. We have six wins and 16 matches. I mean. It's just it's really, you can't expect anything better. And we're not deserving. You know, at the beginning of the season, people were saying we we're the second best team, even when we we're doing poorly. But now, now we're not better than and Rennes and Marseille and Nice and Lens. There's no way. We're, we're, we're just not. So, and the one factor I'll give is we have no depth. You know, the, there's absolutely no way to make rotation. Like Guimaraes and Kekri have to play every game. And a striker, we only have two strikers, Slimani or Dembele, And there's no depth depth at any position, which makes it harder for Bosch because he's playing the same guys over and over again. And when they lose confidence, there's no one to switch. So it's it's a tough time for the club, especially with the Juninho stuff that we'll talk about. But the whole atmosphere on the club is very low. And there's no no hope on the short term, there's no hope hope even the medium, long term, because we don't know what the future is like.
0: Sounds about right. It seems like there's a dark cloud over it. I think you can get that from the context of the podcast so far, and I can promise you that's not going to improve, really, as we go on through it. I think just as a whole, the whole idea of the identity we expected, the attack in football, I think rotation has probably impacted that. But as you mentioned, we've got two strikers, and even when one of them's fit, they're not playing, I think. Paquetta as a false nine's not worked this season. The defence has added one of the most renowned centre backs in the world. Has there been noticeable improvements? Probably not. And now, you know, we'll discuss Denise injury in a minute, but that adds more detrimental impact to that as well. So not a happy podcast I'm afraid, but I might have to put drum members... and bass
1: on the I might have to put drum and bass in the background just to make it more <laughs> lively. But <Like, laughs> it, it, it feels like every week is the same. <laughs> oh, I could put like extra like movie sad music because apparently these podcasts work really well when we're so sad. Aft- yeah, that, TV: that syndrome, is
0: that is true. But I guess obviously we're here to provide someone else's. So before we move on to Bordeaux, I think we've discussed how bad the team was. But in terms of general performance, Tom, is there anyone you would pinpoint as you know the epitome of the how bad the performance was really?
1: Denier has been really poor recently. Like you, even will mention it with the Bordeaux game as well. Like just going back, like it, the, anything that goes that runs behind him, he doesn't see it. it it's scary,
0: and he's supposed uh, to be the guy running behind. Because I don't know if you saw in the Bordeaux game, but Boateng trying to chase after Juan Huijo just gave me nightmares.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I think he he left his um. Is carting wheels in uh, in Munich. So um yeah, I don't I think Denier was was particularly poor. Um but again, you know, it's he was so good last season. Um obviously you've got to pick out when they're not doing well, and um, vice versa. You know, we said so many times that Lopez was terrible last season, and we gotta admit that this season he's been overly really good. Um but I think in this type of games, you know, you got to say it's, it's the whole team. It just, just didn't click. Um, I think, actually, for once, and I think we've said it at times, but not really this specifically, but Bosch is at fault here. And maybe less so with Ras than with Bordeaux, but he's definitely at fault. And something needs to change.
0: That seems to be a good. Shifter on to Bordeaux, really, I guess, in terms of that's another game, 2-2. Team in the relegation zone that we've dropped points to, not for the first time this season. Obviously, we drew 1-1 with Sante as well. I think the decision-making in Bordeaux, we'll go on to the performance in a second, but on the topic of boss, I think the decision-making at the end obviously denies injury, impacted things. But we ended up with a back four at one point of Lukiba at left-back, Mendes at centre-back, Damion de Silva at centre-back, and I think it was still Gusto at right-back. But Tiago Mendes as a centre-back, Lukiba can place left-back, but his primary position is left-back. It just feels, one, what's happening... I feel like I'm watching a preseason game. But Mendes
1: has played there with Lille, apparently, uh, according to Prime. I I can't say that it's... It's obviously not his prime position. Um, But if, like, Guardiola does this, that everyone's like, oh, my God, genius. I don't think that, obviously, perspectives differ. But he's not a centre-back. He's great, I think, if he's doing what a lot of sixes are doing at the moment, which is like dropping in the middle between the two center-backs yeah. and wants to play as a register and all that stuff. But you need another guy next to him. There is no way. Like we, as you mentioned earlier, Bulletin can't track back. Denier doesn't know what the hell's going on behind his head. Mendes I wouldn't even attempt to put him on this sprint race against uh, you know any anyone. So... Yeah, that was probably the slowest defence we've had this season. Thank God we have Gusto, who's like Usain Bolt of Ligue 1.
0: I think even still, the Gusto in that game couldn't really transfer no. his performances over to... I think that defence as a whole was just corrupted, I guess. For you, Jonathan, that defence as a whole, I guess the switching formation, again, the use of no striker... What did you really think about Boss's decision making in that game? We'll, we'll talk about the performance, but I think for me personally, the formation, some of the decision making on substitutions, and again, not playing a striker really did cost us in that game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, on one hand, I think he had to make a change. It didn't work against France. If he put the, and that was his best lineup, or if he put the same lineup again then people would criticize him for not trying something. So he tried to change things up, change the formation to a back three. I don't think the problem was the defense, really, um, that much. They they got unlucky, sort of. They were winning. Um, Luke who's the new guy, played well. So that substitution was good. It's more of the in-game change. For the starting thing, it's always Paqueta up front. That's, again, a mistake. We've said this before. Everyone knows that he's not performing in that position. And I don't know why he keeps playing there and and um Bosch keeps saying Dembele's not fit. That's what he said excuse. D mind needs a break and Dembele's not fit. But Dembeli started like three games ago in Prague, I think. And uh, or I forget a game, but he started games already since he's been back. Bronby so B away played. Bronby and so since then if he started a game three weeks ago or two weeks ago, he should be fit now to play a game. I, I don't understand why he's saying he's not fit. I think he's going to start tomorrow, probably, or the, against um, Rangers. So I just I don't understand this excuse. If it is true that no one's fit, then okay, I get it. But if not, it's a poor choice. And then the big mistake he made was in-game. You know, the substitutions in-game were, were odd. Um, Denier got injured. He had no choice but to make a difference. But if you look at the the, the bench before the game starts, there is really only one defender on the bench. There's only De Silva. Everyone else, there's no other... There's no depth. There's no one left. Monday's out, and, you know, is injured, and uh, there's just no one left. And Luka Best playing with three, so he has no positions available, so he can't do much. I still think he shouldn't have gotten defensive. I hate that mentality where... I thought it was not Bosch's mentality, you know? It's it, when you're struggling to go more defensive. That's what happened. Bordeaux almost won because as he got to 2-2, he got worried and, and did weird things instead of just pushing. You know, keep putting more attacking players and take possession again. So I just think he's lost. He's lost and he doesn't have any options because there's not enough players on this team to to put new new blood. So I'm worried. And Bosh, again, this is three or four times a season so far we can say that He's made mistakes. That's, that's on him.
0: Then the question comes in, how many more mistakes can he really make? I think I did mention the fans do seem to be on his side. And for the time being, I'd say I'm in that park as well. But when does it, become too much do you think Tom I guess obviously there's some games coming up we've got Christmas do you think we've really got to get on the run of games now and try generate some points otherwise any hope of success this season is gone and we're really looking towards a good run in the cup otherwise it could be a really poor cool season
1: I, I don't even know as I mentioned earlier where and how we turn things around that's, that's what worries me you need something that triggers the players I don't think Juninho leaving is gonna trigger the players in the way we want it to. If anything, it'll be like, oh, well, you know, the Brazilian players will be like, oh, you know, we've got our mentor, sort of the guy who brought us to the club has left, so now we have an even bigger incentive to leave this summer. Bosch was obviously brought in by Juninho. He's probably like either he feels um, you know, in danger because he doesn't have his main his number one fan supporting him anymore um, or he just is like well you know this club isn't well run and and the guy who brought me here has left so why should I stay so he might even have a point where Bosch is the one actually leaving rather than him being kicked out uh, I don't think he will um, I, I think he's he's not that type of um, he's, he's not a bad um, Person and I don't. I'm not saying that people managers who leave the club themselves are bad people, but I'm saying, you know, he's got, he's got value and he's going to keep pushing. So, uh, we need a run of games and and the players. I think still somewhat believe in him. I think some don't. I think Paqueta, if he's being played at number nine again, will ask for a transfer at Christmas. I did. I think he's reached that point where he's like, I don't touch the ball at all. I don't like this. I don't play back to the goal. Um, I think he's also finding it difficult at the moment with the with Ligue 1 being a lot more physical than maybe Italian football is. I mean, yes, he's had a year to adapt, but he's also not played in that type of position. Playing up front, and I have myself played up front, uh, obviously not at Ligue 1 level, um, and I am quite tall at physical, but like... If you've got two centre backs coming up behind you and constantly going into you, like there is, a, they they'll do it with Slimani. But Slimani huge. You know he's a fridge. He's not going to move. Peketa's pretty light. You know he's quite physical to keep the ball if he needs to in the corner flag, but he's a he's a featherweight, and you know he, he's getting but bundled over, thrown over the pitch, and. I think he's a bit fed up of coming back with bruises and just being tired and not getting the ball. So move him around, change things up and yeah, let's get let's get a win on, on Thursday and you know, state our claim and say we've won all six of our games in Europa League and keep pushing for the next round. We'll see very soon, uh, I think it's the mid of next week, uh, who we get to play in the next round. Well, the path I guess because obviously there's an extra round uh so I'm not sure how that's going to work um but you know we'll get a rough idea of who we can play and how we can look for the rest of the season but we need I don't know how many games we have left before Christmas I imagine two or three um in league uh two okay well we need at least one win out of those two um we need we need wins we need wins before Christmas because everyone's going to be miserable over the break, and no one wants that. And if we're going to come back after the break and we have still mid to late bottom table, then it's going to be a difficult return from winter. Um, and you obviously have to take into you know take into account morale during cold months, especially with players like Bruno and Paquetto not used to the cold. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty bleak. <laughs> as, a, as a conclusion um, I'm hoping we get to turn things around and we get one or two wins on the trot and we can go for the break and enjoy a bit of family time and come back and be more positive but I hope that's with Bosch and I hope that the players are still backing him because otherwise if we lose Juninho and we, we lose the confidence of the players we could be in for a very tough second
0: part of the season for sure, yeah. We've got, we've got four games until uh, the winter break. We've got uh, Lille next in the league, obviously, ranging in the Europa League, which come, it's, is tomorrow. Obviously, that game's a bit of a dead rubber, really. There's not much riding on that other than a bit of opportunities for kids. But then we've all, <clears throat> excuse me, and then we've also got Mets before the Christmas break, and we've got Paris in the Cup as well. Uh, Paris FC, that is. So there's uh, four games to come when obviously confidence needs to be high for those. My doubt is I'm starting to get to a point where I don't see where that confidence or boosting confidence is going to come from. Obviously, Denier's injury is probably going to be another downer in confidence, really. Obviously, he's probably our most athletic or important defender. Obviously, Boateng is qualities, got qualities that... Denier doesn't have, but Denier is the youngest, the most agile, the one that's going to track him behind. How important or how important is his loss going to be, really? I guess how negative is that going to play on the next few games, Jonathan?
2: Um, you know, I, I think these, last, these next two games are crucial. They're absolutely crucial. I think if, if Lyon does not win... Both of them. Um, I think Bosch is probably going to be out, in my opinion, at, at Christmas break. I think if, if you're 10th at the Christmas break um, and Juninho's out and there's a new sporting director, I assume, coming in or, or not, but maybe they just keep that position vacant. Um, I just... I don't trust Olas to not go for some French guy for some Thierry Henry or Laurent Blanc or something just to get convince, you know, a French guy who knows the league and put him in. And I mean, they wouldn't be the worst? I'm not saying they would be bad choices. It's just the project. You have to trust your project and it takes time to build the projects, So I wouldn't like it. Uh, but I really think that Bosch needs to win both games, win the cup game, and hopefully the Marseille decision that's coming soon with this, you know, is not a bad one. It's a replay. Because if it's a, a, a lost game you know, that's terrible as well. So, um, crucial point of the season for him, for his career. I don't think that Bott wants to quit, because this is his second or third fail in a row. Dortmund, he failed, I guess. Leverkusen, he had a super hot start, but then he failed again. Um, So, this would be his third fail in a row, and I don't think that's what he would want for his career, because he would only go for smaller clubs from now. So, um, I think he's committed to this. He has an opportunity with young players to do something. He's just... This last game at Bordeaux really hurt him because you add two points to the, you know, standings. Right away, Lyon is, you know, right before Monaco and, and above Lille. But it's very close, and that's that's what they keep telling us. Oh, you know, we're only a few points away. If you add the missing game now, against Marseille, and we win that, and you add few more wins then we're right back in it but the eye test now is telling us they don't have it in them to, to succeed so um something needs to change i don't know typically like i said there's two things that can change it you know it's either a big transfer window or a change of coach those are really the two ways that at the winter you can change things and knowing olas and ponceau they're not going to put a big transfer window of 30 million you know, envelope here's 30 million, use it, and let's get four big players or three big players and do something with it. Um, so the other option is just you know, fire the coach, get a new coach for a new message. And to me, that's probably what they're going to do, unfortunately, because I cannot see Olas keeping this and finishing 10th. I mean, it would kill his ego, his ego of being a top club and you know, 27 seasons in a row. If you're up, I, I don't think he'll be able to keep that if he doesn't do something. And knowing him and his French, Frenchness, he's going to go for a French guy.
0: I don't think a French coach is necessarily a bad option, but as you've just said, it's finding the right one and is the right one available at the moment, considering we're probably not going to pay a compensation fee for a new manager. I don't think so. Is a transfer window likely? They have said for a while that they're going to invest in the January transfer window. To what extent and you know, who we're going to bring in is probably yet to be seen. I think Al's moon's probably likely to come in, but I think we need to invest defensively and we could do with another option in midfield as well. As you said, are we going to get three or four players in the transfer window? Probably not. I guess the outcome of the transfer window really does lie on the future of the sporting director. It looks like Janino is going to leave us in the next, I think it said, few days really. It's been reported January, it's been reported a few days. I'm not sure what the correct prognosis of his departure is, but as you were just saying earlier, Tom, it's not exactly the happiest moment for the club. He's been a role model for Bruno and Paqueta, particularly Brazilians coming into a new country, acclimatising to a new league. They've talked about him being a bit like father figure in that sense. Him leaving, what sort of impact is that going to have in the next transfer window or even the summer transfer window? Contract looks terrible. We spoke about this last time. We won't touch on that anymore. And then obviously you mentioned Boss as well, that the guy who brought him in is about to abandon ship after six months. I don't know too much about your guy's opinion on this. but I think we've all in agreement that we don't want Janino to leave. But I guess really, Tom, why do you think it's come to this? And why do you think he's going to leave six months earlier than originally planned or was originally announced in that interview with um, RMC?
1: Um, well, to think bit by bit, I mean, to start with, it's for me, it's the second time Janino leaves the club, my time supporting it. And I mean, I was young back then and I didn't follow his whole career. You know, I'd only watched him for one or two years. Maybe free, and by the time he'd left, um, it felt difficult, but you know back then you you don't quite understand the aura he had. I think now you understand the man he is, and you understand the impact he's got on the club and how far he could have taken the club if he really had the keys to the truck um, unfortunately, he arrived at you know hurts, and the guy was like, no, you can't have." our club and he can't have our truck so you're gonna have to find another place to do that. And and behind the cashier at Hertz, you've got um, Ponzo sniggering going, well, you know, this is my time to shine and take the take the big role. And I think that's what's been coming for a few months. You know, we had um obviously Flor Maurice leave because he, he just couldn't work with with Juninho and Ponso at the same time, who at the time apparently was somewhat getting on, uh, but was still so, also ganging up against Rudy Garcia. Now that they don't have a common enemy anymore, because yes, Rudy Garcia was a common enemy at some point, um, yeah, Juninho just gets rattled by everyone, by the press who say, you know, he's not done enough. Uh, same with the fans, to be honest. Um, I think he. A lot of fans have said, you know, what what have we actually accomplished in the two, yeah, two and a half years he's been at the club? And that's shocking to think because, yes, there have been some failures. You know, Anderson didn't really get a chance, but he was a pretty good player on paper. But players like Kone, I think even Tago Mendes has been some overall a failure, Tino Caduari, all that stuff. But you think back to all his successes. Uh, the fact he's brought back a bit of peace to the club as we thought he had and until recently. You know, he's. It felt so chaotic and such a ass run club, that him coming in was a good thing and definitely has brought peace. I'm thinking, you know, Solskjaer, The same thing at Manchester United. It was chaotic before, and while the results weren't there, he's brought peace and calmness. And I thought that's what Giannini brought. But ultimately, when you look at how crazy it is behind the scenes and how they hate each other now and they just can't work with each other, the fact that he's changed his mind about leaving six months earlier from the club he spent over 10 years at shows how badly the club is at the moment. And that's as much on the club's current legacy and the way it's going. It's also on Ponzo and it's most. Definitely on Olas, And I'm not putting the whole fault of the club not being run properly at the moment on him, but between the declarations that we're seeing at the moment on him taking the higher ground on the referee during the, the Clasico, uh, not the Clasico, the Olimpico against Marseille and saying, you know, I work for LFP, um, I'm much higher than you and you should respect my decisions. Um, but also him just losing his head on Twitter on a daily basis olas is I, I don't want to say it but he's finished he he needs to you know leave the club for it to be healthier and we need something top down to be changed because you know stuff isn't going very well at the moment and yeah things need to change i didn't think that juninho was part of that problem uh i still don't uh but if he feels he can't be at the club anymore then you know If he's able to take that exit door, then good on him. You know, Go be healthier elsewhere and maybe take a break from football for a bit and get back into it and run a club maybe in Spain or where he's able to bring in as many Brazilians as he like and truly have the keys to the club because I don't think he's a bad sporting director. I think he was very patient and understood the sport. He's a very intelligent man. He just was not allowed to do anything he liked. So... It's really sad to see him leave and whether it's as a fan of him uh, as a player or as a sporting director, whatever that is, long live to him, you know, um, it just makes the whole
0: situation a lot more bleak and sad for the future, I guess. As you've just said, I think it starts from the top down, really. Coming into sporting director at a club like Leon feels like a really difficult job to do because... The people above you are so involved in the club's presence, the club's word, obviously, legacy. You mentioned this 27 years in Euro. Obviously, he's got a good relationship with players. Memphis, for example, is someone who always spoke about, I want to do it for Olaz, I want to do it for last. win that trophy. I think the last few years, his involvement has probably clouded. I think football's changed from 2008 when we were predominantly the best team in France and one of the best teams in Europe. Now you've got to let the football people do the football. not saying that Olas isn't a football person because he's had a track record of success for nearly 40 years or however long it is since he took over the club. But um, in general, now is probably the time to hand the keys over and give a chance to someone else. I think when Janinho came in, I thought he was going to be that person that would be able to change things, change how the team plays, what we've seen in the last few years, instill a transfer policy. I don't think we've been able to see that. There's been, a, I guess, a more Brazilian influence on the transfer policy, but there's not been a specific type of player we've targeted. Obviously, there's been some howlers on the exit fronts as well. I'm thinking Melvin Barr for 3 million, Guri for 10 million, uh, 7 million. And then, obviously, Kalulu to AC Milan for, I can't remember how much he moved on for, it might have even been a free transfer. But, in general, those sorts of departures do seem like if you added those three players to this Leon squad, we'd be much healthier than we are now. Really, how does this make things going forward? In my opinion, I don't see us doing anything this season. I could see in the January transfer window that we do lose one of Paqueta or Bruno, I think one of those sales would fund the January transfer window that the club's looking for when, in particular, we're not in the best financial position. I guess, Jonathan, what are your opinions on the departure and how do you see this affecting the confidence of the players, the confidence of the manager, and the rest of the season going forward with basically the club's arguably greatest ever player leaving on such a sour note?
2: Right, so, you know, for players, I think this is a huge blow especially for the Paqueta de which I was already pretty sure they would leave this summer unless we qualified for the Champions League and they wanted to do one more season of Champions League um, because, you know, maybe they would have wanted to stay. Things were going well and the team was playing, performing, Want to stay one more season. But now there's no way they're going to stay for a new project unless the sporting director is also some Brazilian guy or someone who has their back. Um, so I think... Short. I mean, this is really a huge crisis um, because it shows a lot. I mean, the information that I've I've read is that really Juninho and Ponceau, So Juninho has been tough on players and criticizing people behind the scenes, you know, because they want he wants to change the mentality, and Ponceau would for the would go behind his back and say, um, "It's okay. He's just he's just tough," you know. Don't listen to him, he's, he's excessive. Um, and that kind of really pissed off Juninho that they're not on the same page. He thought if he was on the same page that they had to change the mentality. Um, and, it. and so this has been building from also the few transfers he's wanted to make. He's wanted to make Onana and, and Laborde and and things that have failed for a small amount of money considering the impact it could have. You know, apparently um, there's been a couple hundred thousand or dollars or euros difference between the deal succeeding and not. And that has frustrated him that he's not, he's making the deals, but he doesn't have access to the final decision. Someone else has to approve the deals he's working on and they don't agree with him on a small amount. And that's very frustrating to him. And also, um, you know, Juninho asked for staff and more recruiting people. And they said no again. And Ola said no. So the entire way they've just been against his mindset and him trying to modernize the club, which is why we were all so thrilled. Not only is he a legend, but it wouldn't mean anything, you know, Govu is a legend or something. If he came back, I wouldn't care. But it's because Juninho had was saying the right things. It was saying exactly what we were all hoping, which was let's change the club into a modern club and identity and then kind of like Ajax and Dortmund and that style of recruiting. And we all believed it and the coach he finally got seemed to fit perfectly with his project. And they got along, and it's just it's devastating because I don't see how we're going to have as good a setup. I only can see a downgrade from here. And Olaz, it's his, this club is his baby. He's not going to give it up. Um, who's going to take up the club? Is it Ponceau going to be in charge of the club? Does that really make me feel better that it's Ponceau instead of Olas, Not really. Um, the whole structure doesn't work. You can't have a sporting director who can't, when he's negotiating with other teams, he can't, ex- he can't make the deal. He can't shake hands and say, okay, deal. Oh, he's got to call Ponceau, who's then going to call last and they're like, no, nah, we don't agree, or we can't they, – they, the offer is not as good. And so it doesn't work. It shows that there's just an issue with the system, um, and, and I don't know who's going to step in. I probably think they're going to get rid of this support, just decision for now. Uh, they're just going to get rid of it, just have it. Bush run that maybe for a while, but I just don't have any hope anymore. I'm, I'm devastated by this club. I don't know how he changed. Juninho has to leave now as opposed to in the summer because he has no point. Whatever he would say in a meeting would be nothing. It already was tough for him, but now if he said, I want a player, they would just say, no, you know, you're not going to be here. So I think it's going to be the exodus of the prison players And very hard to bring in players. I even think the players that we already recruited. I don't know the the relationship Azmoun has with Juninho, but these players that he's talked to could back out. I know Azmoun likes Bosch. They've talked a lot in the past, so maybe that's the link. But I still think there's an issue with changing completely the line. And and I think could have done better. They could have, when he said he wanted to leave, they could have convinced him. They could have brought him in for a meeting, said, what do you need? I'll give you what you need. But instead, he made Juninho look at this saviour. Everyone saw Juninho as a saviour and he's the one out there and Olas was uh, two years without anyone criticising him that much. And now that's over with. So um, I don't know what's going to happen and I think all fans are like us and worried about what's going to happen for the future.
0: Yeah, the future looks sombre. I think looking to the future, it's all about what, is the next decision obviously we've discussed between us as a trio that Luis Campos has been linked in does that look likely probably not would it be good considering his track record at League 1 clubs it'd be fantastic I think that's the sort of transformational appointment we need somebody that can transform a club up top to bottom transfer policy on the pitch make the right managerial appointment Do you want to add something on that? That's the thing. I
1: think Janino could have done that, but it it wasn't given the... I mean, yes, he doesn't have the same experience, but he wasn't given the possibility to do all those changes. And I don't know if Luis Campos coming in would necessarily change all that much, unless Orlas leaves in the meantime. I don't see how him coming in being a huge difference because he won't be allowed to make all the decisions he wants to. And I'm not saying people like the sporting directors should have the keys to the whole club. But alas, his clearly stuck in football from the 2000s and he's very good at it back then but he doesn't understand what football deserves today. And yeah, our our club deserves slightly better.
0: That's the problem this setup doesn't work anymore obviously punto's directorial role or job title is general football manager how do you have a general football manager who wants to be involved in every decision a sporting director who is supposed to be involved in every uh, footballing decision because that's their job and then a ceo who also wants to have the final say on every decision one micromanaging the other and then that being micromanaged by the CEO just doesn't work as a structure anymore. The football people have got to get on with the football work you know the people who have been trusted with those in the job descriptions and the job titles and the business people have obviously got to have a say in the decision but they've got to trust the word of the footballing people and that's where the decision making at OL doesn't seem to be in the right situation for me going forward and I think that's going to cost us especially now that someone as with such an influence or an aura as Janini, was going to be departing the club and probably leave a hole that we needed as you said to bring peace to bring hope and where the club you know 12th in the table not looking like any improvements going to come anytime soon it's not a great time to either be a Lyon fan or really be watching the club going forward hopefully there is a turnaround but I can't see it coming anytime soon.
1: I want to shout out like Leon fans who are also Arsenal fans. I think there are a lot of them in the Leon community. And I think they're going through a lot of stuff at the moment. <laughs> like Like you went this weekend you went from like the Bordeaux game being absolutely tragic, and then you get the Arsenal game on Monday night. I feel for your heart, guys.
0: It's tough. <laughs>
1: it really is. <laughs> And I'd love to say that my English team is doing really well, but Manchester United is not very healthy either. So, you
0: know, we move. I think Manchester United's decision making is something that Leon should really look at in terms of having someone who's able to instill a real footballing vision. Obviously, we weren't going to be able to attract Ralph Ragnick. That's all, well, no. <laughs> he's got a footballing identity. He's responsible for some of the most illustrious and most overachieving coaches that we've seen today, to call um, Hassan Huttel, Klopp, uh, Nagelsmann, have all got him to attribute tri- a to at some point. But somebody who's able to change the transfer policy of the club, be shrewd in the transfer market. But with what we've got at the moment, I just don't see how that's going to be um, implemented. If you were to make a prediction or sum up what the next six months would look like Jonathan as positive what would you say that is at this present time before we wrap the episode up leave us on a positive note
2: positive (laughs) the Europa League qualification would be the at least save us for or last to say we're in Europe again and keep selling his attractiveness I just want to put one in French called could go I forgot what it's in English but it's like I want to say something about Olas because he's spending all this money on his project with everything about the stadium and the hotel and the training and the tennis and the volleyball and everything. And it's just spend money on the team. This is your product. OL men's, I know OL women's is great too. I love that they're equal. They're great. But spend money on the teams and invest in having the best players. I'm so sick of saying that we're broke. When, when you actually look at the numbers, we're not actually broke. We're just spending on different things. And it's, it's, he's treating it like a business. He wants to create this huge business instead of just making it. And he's always thinking long, long term. Someday we'll be super financially stable and we'll have a huge city. And you Neil know, will pay for itself. But in the meantime, there's fans who pay for this, who pay every ticket, come, who spend their money, and you have to invest. And so... It's crazy to me that saying spending 30 million in the transfer window to save your club when you're in 12th place is is impossible. You know, other teams do it. Rennes has spent 80 or 90 million at this last summer window, and other teams around the Europe do it. Even smaller teams like Betis, like that, they spend money when they have to when they're in poor scenarios. So spend the money get good players, you'll sell in the summer, you know, you'll sell Paqueta, make that money back, and just, you have to invest, you have to do something, or it's not going to work. And so, could go, do something. Seriously, do something, spend the money, or we're not going to make it.
0: It's, uh, Sorry, it's,
2: supposed to be positive, but the positive is... <laughs> the positive is the teams ahead of us are also bad. So we have a
0: chance. It wasn't the positive I was looking for, but I think the sentiment was there. Um, that is something, uh, <laughs> funnily enough, the the official league and podcast in English also used that as a section, so <laughs> a good inspiration there. But uh, just in general, I think you're right, going forwards, need, something needs to change. Hopefully, Olaz is listening, probably not. But, if you are to listen, that's what the fans want because I think the three of us here and most on fans listening will all agree in that sentiment that we need to invest some money, we need to instil a footballing vision and at the moment that isn't there and the lack of that is slightly worrying but hopefully we've got four games to end the end of the year, we'll be back reviewing talking, oh well, trying to put a positive spin, we know this has been quite a negative episode of the podcast but hopefully we've got some more positive things, I think the Coupe de France is a, a big reason to be positive and we can get a good run in that competition. We do look like a cup team at the moment. So, you know, if we can get a good run in that, hopefully go far in that. And obviously we've got the Europa League, which we skip around in as well. So we've got a van- an advantage of the rest of the teams in that as well. Uh, you want to add something before we finish up, Tom?
1: Yeah, I was also on the on the Rangers podcast again on, on Monday and I was shout out uh, James, who's, who's a lovely host once again and i think we discussed the game and he he suggested that instead of trying to get our players hurt again and you know we've already had the injury of denial we should do a cross challenge and that would be a great entertainment and otherwise we could have goal to goal with uh, both goalkeepers um which would be really entertaining <laughs> for the few fans who are going there um and this might not be uh, such a positive note, but I also want to, to say we're deeply sorry that the Rangers fans aren't actually allowed into the stadium uh, knowing they've paid quite a hefty amount of money, especially with PCRs and so on at the moment, to try and get to Leon. And they're all super excited to come to the city and they're all loving to ask me questions about where the best pizza shop is. And uh, I understand that Jonathan's also looking for places to eat, so... um, it's a shame that they get to come all the way to the city but don't actually get to see the stadium. And I think that's what they, they really wanted to do. But if there are any Rangers fans who are looking at this as uh their main source of content for the preparation for the game on Thursday, well we hope we wish that you get a you know good time out there and um, we wish you a good game and hopefully you go a bit further into Europa League. I know that a lot of fans are a bit worried that they have to play a Champions League team in the next round. Um, but um, you know, you're a good set of fans, and we we hope that we can uh, welcome you in in Groupama Stadium one day without it being the Audi Cup in the summer.
0: Yeah, it, it does seem an unfortunate circumstance. I think the way it's been done, whether it's the authorities or whatever, they've taken the wrong decision. I know it's the, the Fête de Lumière this week. Fête de Lumière, or, yeah, it's the big
1: party yeah. in Lyon, and they don't have enough police to to
0: get
1: to the stadium. Festival. Lights festival.
0: But really, does that government once again doing football fans going to a stadium? I don't think so. But well, obviously, well, that that the problem.
1: year that Leon and the rest of football has had in True. France, I can understand why there's <laughs> a bit but of. A when
0: those problems are translated into Scottish football, it, it kind of makes you think. You know, those problems were in English football a while ago, but have been eradicated in the last few years. It's very oh, rare sure. to see fan trouble in British football in general, but. Yeah, any Rangers fans, enjoy the city if you are there. There's lots to do. There's lots to see. Um, I think you can even get a ticket in the home. And not that I'm recommending that, but there probably are still tickets available. Well, there so. are a few who are doing that. <laughs> so. so I don't blame you if you're doing that. You can get to the game. Do it. I wouldn't, really wear,
1: a, I wouldn't wear a top, though. I'm just recommending. No, you, yeah. the current situation, I just wouldn't <laughs> yeah, push <laughs>
0: it. Keep, keep so that I wouldn't push out, it.
1: But... but Get yourself a scarf. You oh well, scarves are cheap.
0: <laughs> half and half scarves. Oh god, no. <laughs> no, no! We don't recommend you to buy half and half scarf. But if you are there, do enjoy the game. You too, Jonathan. Enjoy the game. Do you want? Before we wrap up, this is the last part of the podcast. Do you, uh, <laughs> do you want to tell us? Um, I guess your thoughts and predictions for the match tomorrow. Ahead of this, we'll obviously be going out after the match.
2: No, but I would like to see. Shereki scoring a goal. That's really that's a good record prediction. I like
1: that. I think he's going to get playing time. We're going to see all the young young lads. Um, I want to see the I silver play, not in the group. Can, can we get that? Can we get the silver to play? Not the not the can old the silver. Off. The silver
0: wins, silver. I don't think Flo. You know,
1: <laughs> I, I think
2: he's he's not part of the group at all. Yeah. I don't think he's even practicing with the group anymore.
1: Let's get Vogel in at least yeah. Vogel. Yeah. I mean, seeing how Gusto played recently, I think he deserves a bit of the time on the bench as well. I think Dubois is practicing with the group already. Oh, God, it. no. <laughs> <laughs> that's the good news we wanted.
2: But no, prediction, yeah, a good old
0: 0-0. Very optimistic. Okay. I mean, that's, this is your first time going to a Leon match. In how long do you think it'll end nil-nil? It
2: Maybe three years. But my oh, other okay, game is not too road. bad. I have been to. I used to go to all the road games when I could.
0: Hopefully it doesn't end 0-0 for your sake and the Rangers fans' sake as well. Um, hopefully we do get the win and keep up a 100% record in European competition. That's at least something to take as a positive from this first half of the season. Hopefully these next four games advance through to the second round or the next round of the um, Cup couple of wins in the league and things will be looking a bit rosier but we apologize for the negative tone of this episode hopefully there's more positives in the future but we'll see you on the next one cheers guys thanks